Hello, and welcome to Breakfast in the Ruins, a Michael Moorcock flavoured podcast. Mrs House is visiting West Yorkshire and has very kindly allowed me the use of her scullery to record this, the introduction to the first Breakfast in the Ruins podcast. Someone's cooking something, um, I'm not sure what it is, but... Well, anyway, why a Michael Moorcock podcast? In around about 1982 or 3, in a terrace street in Kingston-upon-Hull, my dear old grandad first bestowed upon me the what would eventually become hundreds of yellowing, well-read old paperback books. He and my uncles were all voracious readers, and the books that made their way to me had already been through their course, Workman's Hands, and each had a pink stamp on the inner cover from either of Hull's two main purveyors of second-hand books, Motherby's and Crystal Books. My interest had been piqued not only because of my love of reading, stoked by my mum reading me The Hobbit in instalments a few years earlier, but also because of the glorious, lurid and sometimes shocking covers that adorned them. Thus was my impressionable brain exposed to the weird fiction of Arthur Macon, the at times almost impenetrable prose of Lovecraft, the vivid wonders of Robert E. Howard's Conan, and the transfixing frankness and gore of the early Sven Hassel novels. There was a lot of garbage too, to be fair, and I'll never get back the time I invested in seven or eight gore books, or twenty-odd Doomerest saga volumes, none of which I can remember a single thing about over thirty years later. But for every townsman of Gore, there was Larry Niven's Ringworld. For every spearman of Arne, there was Poole Anderson's The Broken Sword. And for every other third-rate Conan knockoff, and I'm looking at you, Dennis, in the dark straits of Reglathium, there were about seven Michael Mocock novels. The first Mocock to hit my eyes was a late 1960s Ace Pocketbooks edition of The Warlord of the Air, and, to this day, the proto-steampunk shenanigans of Captain Oswald Bastable remain some of my absolute favourite Mocock. The second was a similarly early edition of Stormbringer, and it's fair to say that it blew my ten-year-old mind. As I continued my rapacious consumption of his work in the early 80s, it soon became clear that most of Mocock's fantasy fiction took place within a shared universe, the multiverse, or the million spheres. A psychedelic wonderland and battleground for the avatars of law and chaos, an eternal struggle epitomised by the stories of the eternal champion and his companions, as they fight and suffer for the achievement of cosmic balance. As I've been contemplating the whys and wherefores of recording this podcast, I've been trying to remember why my 10 or 11 year old self was so taken with Mocock in particular. Amongst the hundreds of books passed to me by my granddad and uncles, there were many that have stayed with me to this very day. The Sphere edition of The House on the Borderlands by William Hope Hodgson, with the amazing pig man looming over the old house on the cover, is a particular favourite as is the 1962 edition of My First 2000 Years, by Virek and Eldridge. That one, sadly, has now almost disintegrated due to the low quality of the pulp paper, but it's still very dear to me. I still have the first Sven Hassel novel he passed on to me, an early Corgi edition of Wheels of Terror, with a stark black-and-white photograph on the cover depicting a burned-out tank and a tattered corpse, framed by plain white text on a black background that proclaimed it to be a novel of atrocity as the tanks of Hitler's convict regiment thunder into the inferno of the Eastern Front, the book no German publisher dared print. It was the Mocock novels, though, that really grabbed my attention at the time. There was something otherworldly about the psychedelic 70s paperback covers that was unique to them, and very different in style to all of the other fantasy I'd been given. Once I started seeking out further works, I found them in just about every second-hand bookshop in the town, and was amazed by how many there were to be had. I also found numerous new Panther editions of the Elric novels in W.H. Smith's as the 80s wore on, and my friend Tom and I would splurge our pocket money on Moorcock, £1.99 Firebird games for our speckies. 
Ours was a world of the Eternal Champion, Dungeons and Dragons, Rebel Star, and Spangles. Well, until Spangles vanished. Then it was more about threads and wambars, but I do digress. As we were very keen role-playing gamers, obsessed with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and MERP, or Middle-Earth Roleplay for the Uninitiated, we were very pleasantly surprised to discover the Stormbringer role-playing game, although, to be honest, we never really hit it off with the Chaosium Mocha RPGs, but more on that at a later time. 37 years after my granddad first introduced me to Mocock, my shells still heave with fantasy and science fiction, although I don't have nearly enough time these days to bury myself in them with the enthusiasm I did back in those days. However, it is clear from my interactions with friends old and new that Mocock still resonates. For those similar to me that discovered him in the pre-internet only three TV channels to choose from Jet Set Willie days of the early 80s, or even earlier, Mocock remains high on their list of inspirational, somewhat subversive early reading materials. For others of the same vintage, Mocock is the guy who knocked out weird fantasy at a rapid pace and was critical of Tolkien. For yet others, he was the inspiration for a wave of prog rock and heavy metal album covers by artists the like of Roger Dean and Rodney Matthews, as well as a frequent collaborator with Hawkwind and Blue Oyster Cult. On the other hand, I've introduced Mocock to people who have never been previously exposed to him, my partner for example. An avid reader, but not so well grounded in British psychedelic science fiction and fantasy from the 60s and 70s. And as a devoted partner, I, of course, have done my best to correct that balance. More recently, I've managed to turn newer, younger friends onto Mocock, some of whom we'll chat to here, as well as a number of old muckers who've kindly professed an interest in participating in this podcast. Anyway, Mrs House never stays in one place for long, so I'm going to head to the cafe at Derry and Tom's roof garden for a cuppa and a slice of cake. Ta-ta for now. Hello, I'm back in Derry and Tom's roof garden and this time I'm here with my partner Phil. Hello. Hello Phil. Hi. Phil is very, very patiently bearing with me while I attempt to do this podcast and we're drinking, well I'm drinking gin and Phil's drinking wine and we're trying to relax our way into this. So Phil, Michael Moorcock. I've described in the introduction my history with Michael Moorcock and my granddad's books and everything else but how did you come on to Michael Moorcock? Well... That would be after you sat on me and made me read them back to back. Oh, yeah, <laughs> very probably. But once I had read one, and I think like you said, it was The Eternal Champion. It was a set of books in one. And once I'd read that, I just wanted to carry on. I wanted to learn more about the different characters that I read about in that first book. Mm. From memory, it, I think you read back-to-back about 15 collections which spanned mid-60s Moorcock through probably to late 80s. And of course, the order of Moorcock books is always uh, contentious because they were written in a completely different order to how they generally tend to take place chronologically. But how did you tackle the order? That was done by you. Ah. You suggested to me which you felt would be good to follow on from. Although if I told you a specific character I liked, like Elric, then you would then give me a book or a series of books on him. Right, okay. So sticking with Elric then, what is it about Elric? Elric was the emperor of Melnaboni, but he had a conscience and he didn't like the attitude of other people on his world. Mm. He was a very weak weak individual he was albino Mm. 
and he had to take herbs for his illness he wasn't a well man he was very he was very good at doing that himself so in some respect he was quite independent yeah he, he was um sustained by his magical herbs and other bits and pieces so you know written in the 60s Elric is in some ways the antithesis of the general fantasy character isn't he he's a, a total weed um he's sustained by mystical herbs and he's the heir to the throne of Melanie Bonnet. We'll talk about pronunciations later. And he is generally despised by his cousin, who desires the throne. But the other side is the fact that, as the emperor, he's able to call upon dark powers, mm. and he was able to... Uh, the Lord of Chaos? Mm. Uh, Ariok? Ariok, yeah. So that was a, another different side to him. And I might be wrong here, but I believe he also had a sword called Stormbringer. Hmm. And I really like that name. I think it was before I watched all of the Lord of the Rings and everything. And it Hmm. was like, that's really cool. Of course, yeah, thinking about it. The Lord of the Rings films probably weren't out at that point, were they? I don't think there was. I just remember thinking, what a great name. And I think also, a nod to our friends Stu and Sarah, the table... With the big sword down the middle that they drew and designed for you. Ah, yeah. So for our listeners, my friends Stu and Sarah, many, many years ago, took a coffee table that my dad had made me out of an old wardrobe and painted um, Stormbringer on it. And um, I'll take a photograph of that and pop it on the the blog so everybody can see it. But it is rather fantastic. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still have it. So, yeah, Elric. Weak feeble, sustained by herbs, hated by his cousin, heir to the throne, not the general archetype of a fantasy hero or fantasy character. And that is one of the things I think that marked out Michael Moorcock books when I first read them when I was a teenager. Because, like most nerds, I'm sure, I wasn't a high school jock. I didn't play on the football team, although I did play a little bit of rugby, just not very well. The other thing that I liked was the picture that you had on the wall which I have since bought you a new version of. Of course. I'm trying to think of the artist. I think it was Chris. Chris Achilles. Achilles. Mm. And I was drawn to that. I thought it was a really good depiction of how I envisaged Elric. Mm, of course, yeah. That poster was bought for me by my sister, and probably when I was 14, 15 years old. And by the time we met, it had been hanging in my dank flat and had gone all ripply <laughs> from, from, from the dam. Um, and you very kindly um, and lovingly bought me a brand new version of that, signed by Chris Achilles, and it now hangs in our bedroom, framed and um, prepared for posterity, mm-hmm. which was uh, rather excellent. So for the listeners, I think, I think Phil is, in some ways, very long-suffering. We have Elric on our bedroom wall, we have Cthulhu on our living room wall, and we have the ABC Warriors on our kitchen wall. Although, <laughs> in my defence, Phil actually bought that ABC Warriors poster and got it framed herself. So, yeah, fair point. So the nerdery is uh, is rubbing <laughs> off quite nicely. Oh, it certainly has done over the last 15 years. And at least we don't have Nicolas Cage in Y fronts from Mandy. Well, yeah, that's probably next. Um, I'm working on that one. So... Elric was your favourite character, but of course there were others as well, so let's just play some word association. What do you think of when you think of Coram? Old man with one eye and very grumpy. Hmm, that pretty much sums up Coram in a nutshell. Hawkmoon? 
I don't really remember. I can't. Uh, yeah. I can't remember Hawkmoon. Well, in that case, you're going to have to read them again because we're, of course, playing Hawkmoon the role-playing game next Saturday with Loz. We'll be talking to Loz separately, of course, or I may have done already. The, the time streams are very strange in the million spheres. Oswald Bastable. Head shake. Yeah, I, I believe you did read it, but it was a long time ago. Obviously, Elric is the stuff that stuck with you. And the Eternal Champion. Ah, yeah, the Eternal Champion, Erikos. I remember Erikos, and I think Erikos was the one, because he had different reincarnations, and Erikos was the one who remembered he was other reincarnations, Mm. whereas some of the others didn't know that. Mm. They thought they were the only Eternal Champion. Yeah, that's right. So the Eternal Champion in the novel was written in the mid-60s, and is the first one that really coins the term the Eternal Champion, which of course then goes on to be an overriding theme across pretty much all of Mocock's fantasy fiction and some of his science fiction as well. In terms of Eric Hurst, the character, he I think he only appears in probably two novels of his own and then pops up in other Eternal Champion stories when there are certain almost superhero-like crossover stories. But the human avatar of Erico's, John Dacre, does appear in a third novel called The Dragon and the Sword. I'm pretty sure that you read them, but if you don't have the memory of John Dacre... And you don't I have remember the John Dacre. Ha- oh, if you don't have the memory of Hartman, oh. I'm going to have to dig out the Hartman collection for you to read, because uh, if you can't remember it, then I'm afraid you have to refresh your memory. Especially if we're gaming it. Especially if we're gaming it. That's right. So, in terms of Michael Moorcock as an author, you've also selected a book to read for this podcast. And that is Mother London, uh-huh. which is not one of his fantasy books. It's one of his contemporary pieces of fiction about London and the people of London, which he wrote, I believe, in the late 80s. So we'll very much look forward to our Mother London episode when we can talk about that in more detail. Absolutely. But for now, I think we have more gin to drink. Oh, I certainly have and more wine. gin to drink and wine. And also we have a curry on the way. So we need to leave Derry and Tom's, get back to our dingy apartment on Ladbrook Grove, and uh, and get our curry. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye all. Bye. Thanks to you there to Phil for humouring me as I engage in this new endeavour. It's going to be a hobby for me, so the regularity of these podcasts is not yet determined, but as I record this, I've already got the first two episodes proper pretty much in the can. Episode one will be a first look at Elric, where a friend of three decades, Loz, and I will take a look at the first published story about the iconic demon sword-wielding albino emperor come wanderer and adventurer. And episode two will be our first look at the second of Moorcock's Big Five, Hawkmoon, as fellow nerd Natasha and I trough through Trinidadian rum, Tucker, and book one of the jewel in the skull. I've set myself a target of getting out one episode every couple of weeks, but we'll have to see what the currents and eddies of the million spheres have to say about all of that. From time to time, we'll also shift focus to some other artefacts and terms from my granddad's copious bin liners full of paperbacks, as well as featuring other things we deem to be more cockian or simply deserving of a discussion. Hopefully you'll stay with me on this journey as more friends, old and new, will offer their two penneth on the works of the man himself, and anything else they want to ruminate on along the way. But for now, thanks very much for listening, and uh, I'll see you on the Moonbeam Roads.